Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. It was over a year ago now that I really, really struggled with something. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know that I don't just want to know what I believe. I want to know why I believe it. And I think it's very important for everyone to know why they believe what they believe. It's not just something that we regurgitate. Uh, is, is it biblically based? Uh, all of this search for truth. That's a big part of what this podcast is about. And when I had this question, this lingering question about government authority and Christianity, it really bothered me. And so I, I went to a number of different people, uh, pastors, and, and, and did a lot of digging myself. I, I spent hours, I spent days, I spent, <laughs> I spent so much time, and I almost felt silly, to be honest with you, about how it bothered me and how I wasn't really finding what made any sense, um, both from a logical level and from a biblical level. And so I, I just had to do more and more research. And what I was able to come up with finally made sense. What I was able to come up with, I feel, is something that is definitely scriptural, has scriptural basis, and tells me why I believe what I believe about Christians and government authority. Now, what I heard from a lot of people was uh, Romans 13.1, where it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So they use this scripture, and they will say that as Christians, we're just supposed to obey everything that a government authority says. But if that's true, and you can see why I would struggle with this, if that's true, then does God install ungodly leaders to do his will? Well, some would point to like the Old Testament, Psalm 75, 7, where it says, but if it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another, he's not really talking about government leaders here. He's, he's, there's nothing in there that, that says that he's saying, okay, it's God who takes down government leaders and he installs government leaders. Uh, They will point to Daniel 2.21, where it says he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. See, I believe that he can intervene, and he does intervene at times. I think that he can take government officials out. I, can't, I do believe that he can keep them from, from becoming leaders in the first place. But does he always do that? That's the question. This does not answer that. And really, isn't the United States an example of a country that he has blessed? He has, because of 
of what we have done with this country and our leadership. He has blessed this country as the world power. Now, some would even point to New Testament. They say, okay, well, let's go to the New Testament scripture. Luke 20, 22 through 25. And of course, this is one that a lot of people can kind of, you know, say off the top of their heads, not the whole thing, but they they paraphrase it by saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? And when, when we're talking about that, we're talking about taxes. We're not talking about obeying a government leader when it comes to everything he has to say. And so that's when they usually go and, and pivot to 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. And this is the one where it talks about being subject to every human institution. Let me read it. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using their freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the emperor. That's so that's the scripture. And a lot of people will say, well, that obviously says that we are to submit ourselves to the government and and do everything that it has to say. Well, except for a couple things here. <laughs> I want you, I want you to go and, and listen and listen to this because I think it's really important. One of the things that we need to do when it comes to Bible translations is we need to look at the the definitions of these words, sometimes in the language in which it was written. And of course, much of the New Testament was written in Greek. Now, the Greek word, hupotasso, is, is uh, the word that, they, that they've used here for submit or uh, be subject to. Um, which means to arrange stuff respectfully in an orderly matter underneath something. That's, that's the definition of, of this word, and, the, and it's the word that's used here. Now, what's kind of interesting, because you can say, well, okay, we're supposed to submit, we're supposed to be subject to, right? The, the word, the same word is also used in Ephesians. Ephesians 5.22, and you may recognize that as the scripture that talks about the relationship between a husband and, and a wife. You see, if we are to submit and be subject to, in this case, then Ephesians would be the exact same thing. Then a wife would have to submit and be sub- subject to their husband. And, and, and for years, the church did teach this. They did teach that, that the wife was uh, subordinate. They, they were, and, and, I, and I use, again, these words that maybe you have a little different definition, 
but basically they were less than. That was kind of the teaching that the, the wife had to submit themselves almost like a servant to the husband. And that's, of course, not the same thing here. There is a Greek word for that, and we'll get into that in a second. But we know now, and the teaching is, I don't know if you, if you can almost find a church nowadays that is going to say that Ephesians 5.2 and the relationship between a husband and wife is one of a lesser than relationship when it comes to the wife. It's always that they're equal. Now, we have different uh, responsibilities. A husband is head of, of, of the house and, and uh, oftentimes will make the final decision on things if there's ever you know, any kind of conflict. But, but, but it, is, it is different than saying that this wife is less than and just has to, has to absolutely obey everything that the husband has to say. We wouldn't, we, we don't teach that. That's not, that's not an appropriate teaching. There is a Greek word, as I said, that, that is not used here. And that's hupokuo. That means to obey, to conform, to follow, to, to follow a command even, or to kowtow to an authority as a, sub, subsor, uh, a, a, a subordinate. This word is used 21 times in relation to children and parents, or slaves and master. You see, that's the kind of thing that that they're trying to say is the word used here. And it's not. It's not that at all. Peter, 1 Peter 2.13 says, For the Lord's sake, to mean one cannot obey a wicked law for the Lord's sake. So, if we can't obey the law for the Lord's sake when it's wicked, then how come we're supposed to obey everything? The whole passage is talking about a, a good and just government, not a corrupt, evil one. When, when you look through 1 Peter 2, it's not talking about this that that we're supposed to just kowtow ourselves to an evil government. You see, this podcast originates near Portland, Oregon, and Portland, Oregon, right now is letting people out of prison for COVID because they might get COVID in prison, and so what are they doing? They are letting people out almost without seeing why they're in just because they might get COVID. And so they're just letting them out of prison. They're not prosecuting rioters. The BLM riots, the, um, you know, the Antifa riots, all of these, they're, they're literally killing people, shooting people dead in the streets. They're not prosecuting them, but they're prosecuting those that would defend themselves, that would literally... Uh, uh, a, a reporter took out a gun, which he had a concealed carry license for, when he was completely surrounded, had his back against the wall, was completely surrounded by rioters that were threatening him. He took out his gun, pointed it for four seconds, and then and then holstered his gun, did not fire it, and he was prosecuted, and he cannot own a gun for the rest of his life. You see, this is what's happening in 
evil, corrupt governments. Now, you, you may ask, does he install ungodly leaders? Or does he use ungodly leaders? I would say that he uses ungodly leaders. I don't think he I don't think God would ever install an ungodly leader. That's that's not in his nature. Uh, a good example of this is World War II, and there were some really ungodly leaders, right? But he used that as he uses bad situations and he makes really good things out of them. He used that to make Israel a country again. After World War II, everybody said, well, Israel's got to become a country. We've we've got to give them their country back. And he used that bad scenario. So is Romans 13 speaking of anarchy or any government? I, I think God here is talking about order and justice. You see, God is a God of order. God is a God of justice. We know that. Scripture is very clear there. But he, he puts the governmental system in place to have order and justice. Without it, there would be anarchy. We, we are to be anti anarchy, not anti-government. That's what Romans 13 is saying. Romans 13 is saying to honor the institution, but not necessarily the person. He's not necessarily saying, I'm putting in... If that was the case, then why would we ever vote? In this country, why would we ever go to the polls? If God's just going to put in whoever he's going to put in, he's going to take out whoever he's going to take out, I don't need to vote, right? And even, you know what? Some Christians actually have that philosophy. What If, if we weren't to come against the government in almost any way, then was the Revolutionary War a sin? Think about that for a second. If we're not to come against any kind of government authority, then was the revolutionary war a sin? If if we are to obey every government official, then then why was it okay for our founding fathers to disobey King George III? He was the government of this land. I'll give you another uh, question. Did those that, that hid Anne Frank from the Nazis, were they sinning? I mean... They even lied to the Nazis. Oh, no, we're not hiding anybody here. There's there's no one here. Lying's a sin. So did those people that hit Anne Frank and, and many more like her, were they sinning? Should they not have done that? You see, the Bible talks about having respect for the office and main, in order to maintain law and order. To... To what extent can Christians work against an evil government then? And and many say that that we are to obey the government until it comes against a clear biblical tenet, right? So, oh yeah, we're not saying that you have to obey everything that the government says. What we're saying is that you're, you're supposed to obey everything until it comes against the Bible. Okay then where do you draw the line? Do you draw the line only at abortion? 
is freedom a biblical tenet? If freedom is a biblical tenet, which of course it is, then anything that tramples upon that is that unbiblical? Is making disciples all around the world a biblical tenet? Well, yes, of course. Well, the United States has provided a way for the entire world to hear about Christ. We've been blessed in many ways because of that fact. Is that a biblical tenet? Is gathering together to worship a biblical tenet? Because there's a lot of lot of laws right now that are forbidding people from coming together and gathering together to worship. Just, just like our founding fathers did years ago, we are to stand up for life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, which of course, just another way of saying freedom. The Bible has us go beyond that even though, and come against injustice, evil, harmful leaders, and, and policy even. Have we not learned as a church from history and how harmful incrementalism is? Many people today wonder how, how the church was so silent when the communists uh, in Russia and Nazi Germany uh, were, were killing millions of people. I, I, I could name a lot of different places, and a lot of different regimes. And they were, they were destroying human rights, banning the, the gathering of, of Christians to worship. And when the, the, the church removes itself, as they did in many of these cases, when they, when they remove themselves from the areas of society, there is going to be a vacuum created. When the church teaches that government is not a place for Christians, then a void is formed and filled with non-Christians that have an opposing worldview. When the church removes itself from, let's say, the school system, a void is created and filled with non-Christians that have opposing worldviews. Who was who is the, the last person in your church to run for any elected position? I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> who was the last person to do that? Who was the last Christian you know that spent any considerable amount of time making your local school system better and more accountable. You see, the Bible in passages like Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 are not suggesting that we let our government just do what they want. Paul is really talking to the zealots of his time. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Because I think this is really a big key. Because when we start to look at Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 and, and these, these type of passages, you, you, can, you can look at them and, and not know exactly what they mean. You can, you can look at them and then hear somebody say, well, this means we just have to follow what the government says. You know, give Caesar to Caesar. What is his, right? But the Bible in these passages, they're not suggesting that we do that. What they're suggesting and what Paul is talking about here is he's, he's talking to the zealots. It's, it's important to keep things in context and to understand what, what is, is being said and who it's being said to. 
And in this case, Paul is talking to the zealots. Now, the zealots of, of the day were people that, that wanted nothing to do with the government. They would not pay taxes, and they said their only obligation was to God, right? I mean, how many times have you really wanted to do that? <laughs> you, said, you said, you know what, government, I, 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 am, I am not going to recognize you as an authority. <laughs> Our government likes to do that with other countries. You know, oh yeah, well the Taliban, we're not going to recognize them as, as the government. Oh well, they just took over. Okay, we're well if, if they do really good, then we'll recognize them as the as the government. Well, how, how would you like to do that with our government here? How would you like to say to them, you know what? I just don't recognize you. I I you're not my authority. I, you, you know, we hear we heard all the time under Trump. We heard you know not my president, right? You, you saw bumper stickers, not my president. And what they were saying was, I don't recognize you as my authority. I don't like you. I don't think, I, I, I don't like your policies. I don't like what you're doing. I don't, I don't like how you're spending taxpayer money. Whatever, whatever the case may be. I don't like the fact that you're building a wall. Whatever the case was. And so I'm not going to recognize you as my authority. And that's kind of what the zealots were doing, except they kind of took it and, and, and put it on steroids. <laughs> Basically, the zealots said, you know what? I'm not going to pay taxes. I'm not going to obey any laws. It doesn't matter what the government says or what kind of army they're going to send. We are not going to listen to you. What our government is, is God. We recognize him as our authority. Whatever he says goes. Whatever you say, we ignore. And, that, and, and so these zealots would go out and they would oftentimes even form little communities of their own. And one such community was, was Masada. Um, the zealots of, of Masada. Uh, Masada was a, was a big plateau. And it, and, and it was basically a fortress built on top of it. And they, these zealots, zealots took this over and made it their community. And you could, it was very, very easy to defend because it was this big plateau, right? With only like one way in and out and, and the big walls that came down. If, if you ever go to Israel, it's, it's one of those spots you, you just don't want to, to miss. Um, but like I say, all you had to do is just to defend the one side that you could get in and out of. And, and it was pretty easy to defend. So, when, when obviously the, the army came and the government came to, um, to come and, and wipe them out or to get them to submit uh, to their rule, the, the zealots, they literally committed suicide by jumping off the cliff. Um, and, and so this is what happens to zealots oftentimes. We, they, they, they tend to go a little kooky. <laughs> When we get away from God's word, when, they, when we get away from things and we start to interject our own logic and things in, into stuff, and we don't really read what the Bible has to say, when we don't really understand what, what, it's, what, what it's telling us and we don't keep it in context, then we can start to go adrift. And that's what the zealots were doing. They, 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 they weren't doing what God wanted them to do. And that was to obey the law and order that he had established here on earth. And that again, wasn't something that he um, necessarily put into place. I mean, you know, he, he didn't put Saul into place. He, he, 
he allowed it to happen. He he didn't want it to, to take place, but he he bent to the, the will of the people and what they wanted in that case. They said, this is what we want. We have for, you know, we have the freedom to, to choose, and we're going to choose that. We're not going to choose you, God. And bad things happened. But we can't do what the zealots do and what the zealots did. And we can't say, I am not going to be respect. I'm not going to respect any kind of government authority. Because God has set up government as a means to not have anarchy. Anarchy is not the Lord's way. We, in this country, we have a Bill of Rights. And all our rights are given by, the, by that, that Bill of Rights. Is, who's, who is the authority in this country? The authority in this country, is it, is it the president? Is it uh, a governor? Or is it maybe the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? You see, we have an obligation to do what God wants us to do and to maintain a government that is not corrupt, to, to help make the blessing that he has given us, this country, into something that is going to be biblical, to help the spread of, of, his, of the gospel around the world. This country has been blessed by God and used for his work all around the world. We as a, as a church are responsible to fight and maintain that blessing. This can take, take on many forms. It can take on the form of local, statewide, national involvement. I myself have been a mayor, a city councilman, a school member, school board chair, uh, liaison to the legislature, state congressional candidate, campaign manager for a gubernatorial candidate. I, I'm right now campaign manager for Heidi St. John and her bid for a District 3 Federal House of Representatives seat. Now, I don't say all these things to say, you know, look at me, I'm just doing so wonderfully. But what I am saying is that there are opportunities to do things that are going to make a difference and are going to do what the Bible says when it comes to Christians and government authority. I did a lot of these, these things while having full-time jobs and still do. And, and you may not be called directly to public service, but we all have been given responsibility to contribute in some way, in, in whatever way that we're called. We know if when we go through the Bible, Hebrews 11 calls Gideon, um, calls Samson. I mean, he, he, there's so many different places in the Bible, examples in scriptures where where when we when Christians dealt with uh, diso, uh, with with government authority and particularly corrupt authority, they disobeyed. Acts four, Exodus one, Daniel six, Daniel three, J Joshua two. Um, you know, Rahab helps uh, the spies escape from government. First Samuel fourteen, First Kings eighteen, Second Kings eight. I mean, you can go through First Kings nineteen, you know, one through seventeen. 
you can go through these things and you can see all the different areas where Christians disobeyed government. Acts 12, Peter was rescued from jail. Acts 9, you know, Paul, Saul actually at that time, escapes the, the, the city governor by being lowered down the wall in a basket. And you may say, but Doug, it's it, it's much easier to to just worry about spiritual things. Let's let's not worry about government things. Let's let's just it's just easier to worry about spiritual things. But remember the the sacrifices that our founding fathers did. Most of them died. Most of them died penniless. Most of them gave up immense wealth and families for what we have in this country. And they did it because they believed in the Bible and they believed and they knew what the Bible was saying. They knew that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or freedom was a biblical mandate. And we need to not just lay over and show our bellies whenever a government official comes around and says, this is what you have to do. That is not biblical. And, and you may have a, a different idea. You, you, you may say, you know what, I, I, I don't agree with you here. I would love to hear from you. I would, I would love, I, again, I, would, I, I always keep the conversations um, civil. And I would love to hear on, on a productive discussion on this if you have a different idea. And you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.